Friends, fans, and warriors, we are excited to let you know that Fearless Features movies are now available for rent or purchase on Salem Now. Our two completed titles, Inwood Drive and The Mind Polluters, are both available on demand. Salem Now is dedicated exclusively to conservative and faith-based content and can be found on mobile apps and streaming services such as Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick, and select smart TVs. Click the link in the show notes to see each film or visit SalemNow.com in the recently added section to watch either Inwood Drive or The Mind Polluters. Be sure to share with your family and friends as this is another way you can help support Fearless Features and the creation of more films like these that are making an impact around the world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, Mark Archer. I don't think so. (laughs) So today, I am excited. We are going to have a special guest on the show with us, Joseph Weigel. And he has written a book. And it's, I just have a funny story to, before we go to our conversation with Joseph, because he ordered a copy of The Mind Polluters, and we got a return envelope in the mail. (laughs) And I thought that somebody returned their DVD. (laughs) I don't like you because you're dangerous. So it was a pleasant surprise when I opened it. And in it was Joseph's new book. Oh, that's right. It was was our envelope. It was our envelope. Yeah, it was so creative. The Critical (laughs) State of Education, How Classical Education Can Defeat Critical Marxism. It was very tricksy of him. So I am excited that we're going to bring Joseph on. But if you guys, um, if you're researching education, I cannot highly recommend enough that you purchase his book. It's available on Amazon. We are going to leave links in the show notes for you guys. But there are so many resources in here that you can go back and look at this uh, for yourself. And he gives two two points Mm -hmm. to uh, helping better your Child's edu- education. Yeah, and I can't. Solutions. And I can't say enough to add to that how important it is. Aren't we all tired of the PhDs and all of their nonsensical solutions? We know what PhD stands for. <laughs> piled piled higher, deeper. Piled higher and deeper. MS, more of the same. And everyone knows what the BS is. So, <sighs> um, how about we, you know, support people? Who are common sense, common sense thinking individuals um, who start with base knowledge and learn it by reading it and research. I mean, I I tell you, I am I really am blown away at how much Joseph has gone and researched so far back. Right. I mean, there's stuff that we research, but we can only do to a certain extent because we know that our audience can't go. There's only there's only so much that you can put into a film. Right. The film is a very specific format. And it's very good at delivering a message in a certain way. If you want a lot of the nitty gritty details, then books are much better at mm-hmm. this. And so, historian is the word that comes to mind yeah. for Joseph. So if you like, if you like the, uh, if you like the approach that that we have as just everyday people who go and research and then put the stuff into film format, 
Well, it's the same thing with Joseph. He's <clears throat> he's not from academia. Neither are we. And he has gone and researched this thoroughly and learned it and put it into a book format, and that's excellent. And and what's fascinating is he uses a lot of their own words, yes, so that you you can see it. <laughs> You're everyone's problem. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's get right to our conversation with Joseph Weigel. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the podcast today. We have a special guest, Joseph Weigel here, author, and he is going to share with us um, about his book, The Critical State of Education, How Classical Education Can Defeat Critical Marxism. Joseph, welcome to the show with Mark and I. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so excited. We have, we've talked before and we're, we were able to dive deep into what's all in your book. But today, I would really love to just kind of hear your heart behind how you got into this. And can you just give people a quick overview, kind of overview of the book, and then how you got started researching all this? Yeah, the, the overview is probably best summarized in that subtitle which is kind of why I put that in there, just so people could clearly see what it's about, how classical education can defeat critical Marxism. And then in the uh, one of the first pages, I give a couple quotes that really gives a good overview of what the whole thing to follow will be. And the first quote's by uh, Vladimir Lenin. It's actually Walter Duranti, a Times journalist from the 30s, quoting Lenin. Mm-hmm. And Lenin's saying that, you know, I, if I have the kids for four years, you know, I can capture their minds and they'll become mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's kind of the representative of this um, evil ideology that then I, I'm explaining in the book. And critical Marxism is the, the term I use for it in the book. Can you then, kind of, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, can, you, can you give people just uh, just briefly explain, extrapolate what critical Marxism is for anyone who doesn't know? Because I know we have a lot of people who tune in and they're they're just getting started in this. Can you help people understand, kind of break it down for them, critical Marxism? Yeah. So the reason I use that term, uh, it's not my term. It comes from a book by a guy named Isaac Gotsman, and it's called The Critical Turn in Education. It's from 2016. And he's a critical pedagogist, which is just the branch that is dealing with the education factor of critical Marxism. And he's recording the history of how this critical turn, meaning critical, like critical Marxism turn in education occurred. And so he's given the history of that going back to the uh, late 60s and just essentially saying, look at how successful we've been. You know, he's he's of that position. So he's proud of it. And he calls it the critical Marxist tradition um, instead of critical theory. Critical theory would be the name you've probably heard more often. And critical Marxism is just more spot on simply because it uses the exact word Marxism, which is just what critical theory was. It was just an adaptation of the original Marxist uh, theory itself. And there was a whole host of adaptations, um, critical theory being one, but there's plenty of others like, you know, Mussolini in Italy, fascism was explicitly out of Marxism. What Lenin did with Bolshevism was explicitly out of Marxism. So there's all these different guys who were like, well, you know, Marxist theory isn't working. Let's tweak it and we can bring it about. And so critical theory is just one of those. And then, as I said, I just call it critical Marxism because I'm following Gottsman. And it's like very, it's very helpful. You know, he's just saying very openly exactly what it is. Yeah. And so can you, did you have a question, Mark? Yeah. So when you, when they, when they use the word critical, 
explain what that is because that i think that's one of the things that people get hung up on is are we talking about that it's critical really important or critical like i'm criticizing yeah yeah and then like critical thinking you know right that's a good you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so uh the way they use it uh, this would be um max horkheimer would be the initial critical theorist who comes to the states and is the head of the Frankfurt School is what it was called. They're coming from Frankfurt, Germany. They get kicked out by another um, Marxist adaptation, which was the National Socialists in Germany. So they come to America in the 30s. And uh, then Herbert Marcuse becomes the main figure after Horkheimer and some of the other guys go back to Europe after the war. And essentially critical, the way they describe it is they believe that there's actually this utopia that is naturally latent and the uh, societal forces, like the establishment, as Marcuse would phrase it in the late 60s, the establishment is blocking the utopia from naturally coming about. So what we're going to do is we're going to be critical of everything we uh, want to see changed in society. And Marcuse says that actually by being, he explicitly says this in his essay on liberation, his 1969 book, he says that um, by virtue of... Uh, you know, how how we're working our theory to be negative is actually to be positive. It's a direct line from his book. It is completely a contradiction. But his point is that this idea of the utopia is lying there. So we just negate critical, negate critical, you know, Mm -hmm. until we break down the establishment as they would, as they would call it. And then naturally we'll have this utopia flourish. So that's that's the idea. You're just constantly critical of everything you want to see changed in society. Mm-hmm. A, good, a good analogy, actually, to understand this, I think, is the Joker from The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing I think people are usually familiar with, where they can understand. Like he is an agent of chaos, is how, what he calls himself explicitly in that movie. And Herbert Marcuse, there's there's a passage, another passage from uh, SN Liberation, where I I actually read it and I was like, I wonder if the the writers of the dark Knight had read this and modeled, you know, or I guess Heath Ledger, cause I know he kind of worked that character himself. I, I doubt he did, but the point is I read this passage from Marcuse and then look at the way the Joker behaves is the exact same thing. Yeah. So, so if you want to understand kind of how this theory operates, just picture the Joker and how he operates. So it's like, so it makes sense then because when you see, so it's it, you have to learn to decode their their code words, mm-hmm. right? So critical means basically here's I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down. Uh, so critical race theory. So critical theory is surrounding the thing that they're gonna attack, right? So critical race theory is we're gonna call everything racist and yep. and attack that until we invert everything. Critical queer theory, same thing. We're gonna attack everything until we turn everybody gay. Things like that. Yep. Yep. And the and the idea there is that uh, whereas the initial Marxist theory was just economics and it was class. So you had the, you know, the bourgeoisie, the upper class, we mm-hmm. could call them and then the proletariat, the lower class. And so it was about disrupting that upper class, you know, and magically you'd have this classless society, which, you know, was nonsense. But it's the same principle. But now it's not just that class. It's these other areas of cultural capital is what they're called. So whether it's heterosexuality, okay, we're going to take that down. Or whether it's uh, whiteness, okay, take that down. Or, you know, whatever, we can come up. And there's, 
it goes on and on and on. Like in the book, the, one of the wild ones I do is species, you know, <laughs> yeah. the homo sapiens. I mean, it's just, it's totally outlandish, but that, that is the point. It can literally be anything. Right. And that's where it, you see that now with the move to, um, uh, AI and yeah. transhumanism, right? Yeah. So, so is there, so what would, what would be their, their critical theory on, on transhumanism? <laughs> what would that be called? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, critical I mean, sapienism. The, the, <laughs> the uh, critical animal studies is an actual real theory from like 2002, I think is when it was founded. Cause that's the one I, when I made the, the book, I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to kind of come up with a new theory that I'm making my satire. <laughs> on. And it was critical species studies is what I came up with. And was, I, I looked, I, was like, I better make sure there's not something already out there. And there, I was like, Oh, they're critical. Animal studies. <laughs> Let me think of something ridiculous. Oh, wait, they already came up with that. (laughs) But but that that would definitely fit in with the uh, with the idea of trying to kind of like make man and planet one. And this idea that kind of homo sapiens are the we are the oppressors, essentially. So, yeah, that we then homo sapiens, uh, they would be in that um, class where, you know, the bourgeoisie was with Marx's traditional theory. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, why, 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 Joseph? Do you think that it's so hard for people to comprehend and understand all of this? Well, a big reason I think is because when I when you actually read these guys' initial, you know, primary source material, they write like they're gurus, mm-hmm. and we have the esoteric insight that you ordinary people can't understand. And they do it very intentionally. They abuse language on purpose. That's maybe one of the biggest factors, I think, for people to to try and get their minds around. Because if you can understand how important a factor that is for their project, then you can start thinking like, okay, something's fishy here. What is the word or phrase that they are purposefully abusing in order to pull on my own moral conscience to try and get me to think I'm doing a good you know, because mm-hmm. that, that is the, the play here. It's they want you to think, oh, OK, I am doing something that is good. And so then, of course, yeah, I'm for it. Uh, but then when you actually dig into it, you find, well, you know, they just switch definitions of the word. And like a great example of that is uh, the word equity, you know, and equity is a good concept when you actually look at the definition of the word. It's a biblical concept. It's a. You know, if we go back to the ancient uh, civilizations that built the West, it, you see equity defined out as early as the source from uh, ancient Greece, Herodotus, one of the first historians. And then you see it all over the Bible as well. It's this idea that you have natural law and then there is no bias or favoritism shown to people in terms of that natural law. Everyone is on the same playing field. And that, of course, is what you want. That, that is justice. But then they say equity, and they don't mean that. They mean the exact opposite of that. They mean everyone ends up at the same place. And they're like the maybe the best example of that was that video by uh, Kamala Harris, where it just explicitly said that from the uh, uh, like pre election of 
2020 it was. Yeah. And it's like, everyone ends up at the same place, you know, as equity It is like, well, there it is. Perfect. You know? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're open about that. But the thing is when people hear that word use, they're like, well, yeah, of course I'm in favor of equity because it's, yeah, why wouldn't I be? It's one, it sounds like equality and I am for people, you know, being treated equally. So heck yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea that they are undermining it by changing definitions. Right. Mm -hmm. Because one of the critical studies that we've removed from schools is critical thinking mm -hmm. skills. So yeah. when people hear equity and like you said, they think, oh, yeah, well, people should be treated the same. But and so they confuse it with equality. And so what we've really come down to is they've they've hijacked a term that once meant something that was that was good. And now they've hijacked it to to mean equal equal results. Everybody mm -hmm. gets equal yeah. results in the end and not, not necessarily has an equal opportunity. And so, yeah. and, and because we've stopped teaching what Marxism communism mm -hmm. is, then they don't yeah. recognize it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's a good idea until, until you, I always, I like this example and we've used this with our daughters and to try and explain equity and socialism. And I said, you know, okay, you studied hard, you got an A on your test. And tell me somebody in the class who didn't, and, and they'll roll their eyes. Oh, so and so never studies. He gets D's and C's. Okay, so equity means everybody's going to get the same grade. So your A now becomes a C minus and he gets a C minus too, right? So everybody yeah. gets the same, you're gonna you're gonna give up some of yours so that he can be equal with you. And when you put yeah, it in terms of those terms, <laughs> The reality of that that socialist uh, vision there is that it doesn't pull you know everybody up to some higher level. Right. What it, it does is it pulls people down into the slew of despond. To, to use a phrase from uh, Pilgrim's Progress, it's just this this you know swamp of despair for yes, everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So you've you've mentioned a lot of different things that you've researched and and just to get back on because I don't think that we actually talked about how how did you get into oh how yeah, did, how did you get into this yeah um, oh yeah so to get back on to that initial point <laughs> no it's uh, okay when, it's when okay I, we talk all the time <laughs> when I was um, explaining the the three quotes from the you know the opening part and I gave that Vladimir Lenin one then the the next two. And this will kind of lead into how I got onto it. The next two, um, the next one is by Frederick Douglass. And he says that knowledge unfits a child to be a slave. So I see that as step one to removing ourselves from the situation is acquiring knowledge. So you got to understand the enemy and then how to beat it. Um, and then the next quote is from C.S. Lewis from the Screwtape Letters. And it's, it's actually a quote from Screwtape himself, who is, you know, the demon in that, in that story. And uh, it, he's saying that um, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. And Screwtape is advising his uh, junior tempter, Wormwood, saying, hey, if you want to take out a person, you know, make them um, part of our camp over here, the bad camp, mm -hmm. then take out their courage. Because... Mm -hmm all of the other virtues are going to fail when they get pushed to the testing point. So it's much more advantageous to take out that one virtue and then push any of the other ones. It's a, you know, it's a good strategy. So we have to have courage 
is is my second point. And so um, <clears throat> that's kind of the outline of where I'm going with the book. I'm explaining all the, the bad stuff, which Lennon represents. And then these this two-step process of, of how we beat it, knowledge and courage. And the, uh, the Frederick Douglass quote, that leads me into a big um, factor of how I got into all this. I got into this stuff mostly from the race aspect, and I became very uh, interested and just taken by reading Frederick Douglass and his speeches, and he was a journalist as well. And um, <clears throat> that led me uh, eventually to see education as being the most important thing for actually changing things around. So then I got into, you know, reading the other stuff like the critical pedagogists themselves. But he was kind of the point that kind of tipped my mind off to thinking more about just how foundation, foundational education was and seeing that as, as I quote, as I uh, say it in the book, as education goes, so goes culture and politics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that is really the key area. If we're going to have a change, it's going to be a, a long-term play that we have to take. And then, we have to actually change education. That would be the key. Yeah, I mean, because for people who are listening, as you describe yourself, even in your bio, you're you're just an everyday, ordinary American. You're a dad and a husband and a firefighter and just a seeker of truth. And so, how long how long have you actually been? How, when you when you jumped in, <laughs> it sounds yeah. like both me. <laughs> and yeah. how how long have you been researching? Um, well, I started really becoming a voracious reader in my like mid twenties. Uh, but when I really gotten into this stuff in particular would probably be like the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just kind of, I, I initially, so I, I kind of have to build the background, I guess I had done a lot of the reading of the, um, kind of the great books of the West before that. And I still do that. And I mean, there's so much, you know, to cover. Um, so I, I, I had done a lot of that prior and ha kind of had that base, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then went into more of like, all right, I see what is happening today. Let me read these guys for themselves. So, you know, reading the, the actual critical pedagogists themselves and see what, see what they say. That would have been much, much later, you know, when I got this idea for this book last summer, um, that was really then when I dove into, uh, let, let's see their primary source material themselves, and I'm going to, you know, take them to task for it. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, much, much later in the game. Interesting. So the, it, it, and I think it's the, what I love about what you've done and just your background is that, you know, when we talk to people on our podcast and in our films, and we're trying to empower people to, uh, to do what you did, start looking into these things yourself, because that's what we did. That's what we did. We, when we started this ministry, we were not, um, we weren't really voracious researchers. I mean, <laughs> right. we, we were, you know, we were, was, we were just producing content. And so, yeah. and it doesn't become real to you until you see it for yourself. And there were things even, you know, on, when we were doing the mind polluters, there were so many times where we would stop and just look at it and we just have to get up and walk away and go, there is no way, there is no 
way that this is true and yeah. come back to it and look at it from and then it is a couple other angles and son of a gun it is real and yeah. that's and when when people engage like that on their own then it's like it's like with having faith until it's your own it doesn't you, you know you can't share it right it doesn't mean <laughs> anything to you and until you really own it for yourself the same thing with the research and what's happened with you is as soon as you started owning it for yourself then you couldn't help but share it (laughs) yeah yeah and that's when i uh wrote the book i i explicitly tried to give a lot of the quotes from these guys themselves Mm -hmm. because of that very feeling you guys had as well of like wait there's no way this can be true you know no way and so I, like I'll say in there multiple times, I think I say like, don't take my word for it. Here it is. <laughs> yes. it yeah. And then, and then I'll explain it too, because sometimes it's like, what the heck are they even saying? You know? Uh, but I'll explain some of that stuff, but I want to put the primary source material out there for people because you know, it, it's hard to know, okay, what all are all the things I need to go look at and read. And so I'm trying to kind of compile that into this short book that's accessible for a lot of people, but a lot of it's in their own words themselves, because like you guys are uh, saying, it was your experience and it was mine too. The initial thought is no way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in your book is such a great resource tool and where people can go and look this stuff up themselves. And it's it's just, it's wonderfully done is, is all I can say. What, What I wanted to ask you was in you, in your book, you talk about, you, you talk a lot about classical education. Mm-hmm. Define that for for parents that are listening, because as a way to a, a, a way to get out of the public education system and away from all of this ideology. Yeah, yeah. Talk about what that means. Yeah. So th- this is a one of these cases where language abuse of language is key here, because um, really the only reason that you need to use the word classical is because education was hijacked. Right. So education, since the progressives, um, which was, you know, we're talking uh, over 100 years ago now, it hasn't been what education was in the West for over 2,000 years. So it's just, you need the word classical simply because we totally lost touch with what education was to be about. And a good starting point here is just to understand what is that word, educate. And that comes from a Latin word, educare, which means to lead forth. And the idea here was that you were leading someone forth towards objective truth, goodness, and beauty. So there actually is such a thing as objective truth and goodness, which is a total contrast to the critical pedagogist who say that this is just a feature of the oppressive you know, societal structures, there really is no objective truth. The, the post, this is the postmodernist side of the, mm-hmm. the critical Marxism. Um, and so it, it's totally rejecting that idea of there e- even being such a thing as objective truth for you to know. So classical education would say those things are objective and human beings are capable of discovering them uh, to whatever degree the, you know, the learner seeks it out. And that goes back uh, to the ancient Greeks. And then the uh, Christian revelation with the incarnation would be kind of the, the culmination of, uh, you know, the, I mean, there's truth in coming into the, the world 
itself as a, you know, a human form. So that combination of uh, Jerusalem and Athens combined then forms this classical model of education, you could say, going forward into the West for 2000 years. And a kind of common way to understand it would be that it's trying to create the well-ordered soul of a human being to be someone who is morally and intellectually virtuous. So it's a, it's a very different picture than this, uh, what, what would have been for the progressives, this vocational uh, oriented training where, you know, what's important is your economic status, trying to get a well-paying job and that kind of thing. Whereas it, historically education was different than that. You learned a vocation as a, a trade that wasn't to be an educated man. That was just part of, you know, making a living. That is a different thing. And then the critical pedagogists are that next step, like I was saying, where they just explicitly reject there being those objective things such as truth, goodness, and beauty. And instead, it's just a will to power of whoever can set themselves up in that position to, we will declare now the purpose for man and what is true and what is good as we see fit. It's a, it's a very Nietzschean uh, idea of this, you know, I will declare it as I want kind of thing. It's a, and it's, it's only destined for a train wreck. We saw this in the, uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of uh, Dr. Francis Schaefer. Um, and yeah. He did a film series based on one of his books, How Should We Then Live? And he yeah. talks about this in one of the episodes of that film series where he watched this happen through the 60s. Mm-hmm where this whole generation embraced non-reason where there was no objective truth and and it and it spun itself out into you know into just oblivion within just a few years but that's what gave you the hippie movement and then moving on into the punk rock movement in the 70s and and all the illicit drug use and and pornography and everything because there was this mindset of there's no objective truth except what we make in our own minds and you know leading into psychedelic psychotropic drug use things like that because because the natural man in that mindset you know as he declares there's no objective truth he destroys all hope for humanity so the the appeal of it wears off very quickly and what you start yeah. to see that now with, with this whole generation of, you know, there's no objective truth. Therefore you can change your gender. Oh, by the way, as we talk about changing your gender, you're going to feel like killing yourself. So let's talk about that. And that's one of the first things that they start talking to them about. Well, in case you feel like killing yourself and it's because they've taken away all objective truth, there's just nothing yeah. left. Well, I think it was, yeah. it was just making me think while you guys were talking about that is at the end of Judges, I think it is. And it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. And yep. I mean, throughout history, we've seen it. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. The, and the, the kids that you see who are being sucked into this, what whether it's the, you know, the, the, queer, theory. the queer theory, the critical race theory, the, you know, transgenderism, all this. It's they're all tentacles of the same of the same hydra that lead to mm-hmm. hopelessness and despair. And when you remove all hope of there ever being anything constant, you know, I remember or true or true. Yeah. <laughs> I, Cause I remember going through this in my twenties where I, I, I said, you know, I need to question everything. 
Yeah. And I was I jokingly say I tried being an atheist and it lasted about three minutes because I just because I, I had been a Christian since I was very young. I was just I was rejecting God. Yeah. And so, you know, be, the, the Holy Spirit very quickly pointed out this is not possible. <laughs> you can't live in a world that doesn't have absolutes. You know, yeah. there, there, there are, they're obvious. So there are first principles. The question is what first principles are we going to accept? Right. And yeah, if you, if you just continue to question everything, it, there's a great, uh, I mean, I think one of the most important books of the 20th century is C.S. Lewis's the abolition of man. And he says in there to see through all things is the same as not to see. And that's exactly it. If you completely get to that point where there can be no absolute, no first principle, right? Like, like the natural law, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that we have on, written on our hearts uh, from, you know, Paul says in Romans uh, 2, 14, 15, uh, then th- you're just seeing through everything, which is the same as not to see. It's just complete oblivion. Hey, Warriors, I want to let you know about an exciting way you can help us share Christ and help protect children from perverse ideologies in Italy. Yes, I said Italy. By God's grace, our latest documentary film, The Mind Polluters, continues reaching people all over the world and is having a tremendous impact in educating and motivating communities to take action in protecting the innocence of children. An Italian dub of the film is needed to break through the language barrier to help our brothers and sisters in Christ make a significant impact in their communities. Learn more about this need and share your support at fearlessfeatures.org. Well, before we get before we wrap this up, Joseph, how can people find you? How can they purchase your book? And well, and tell me who is this book for? For the listeners, explain to them who is going to benefit from reading this book. I mean, I think everybody who's listening should get it, but like who is who is it really geared for? Yeah, it's really geared for uh, anyone who wants to know, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, definitely parents, uh, but really just anyone who wants to understand what they're seeing around them, you know, cause it, it is kind of chaotic and to be able to put the pieces together of like, okay, what, what is that? You know, what's going on there? I, I give an overview of the critical Marxist religion, as I call it, which includes, you know, all these different things like queer theory, critical race theory. And so I go into the, those uh, particular things, some, but it's meant to be just kind of touching on all of them. That way people can understand, you know, all these different facets of it. So it's kind of meant to give someone the tools so that then they can take that and then apply that to what's happening around them, whether it's, you know, one particular branch of these things or uh, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's really who it's geared for. Anyone who wants to know. Yeah. And, and I love that because that's exactly what we do through our films is just kind of give people an overview. We'll show you. And, and that's exactly what you're doing here through your book. And I love I love all the resources. And so where can where can people purchase the critical state of education? On Amazon. Yeah, it's the only place since I self-published it. Yeah. And then it'll also I, I should say not only does it give you that, uh, you know, that overview of all the, the bad stuff, but then it it gives a solution as well is, is the intent here, which is to uh, realize that education is the key. And then I give some just practical things of what we can actually do, you know, cause it's, it can kind of seem like a daunting tell yeah. what, you know, mm-hmm. we have no hope here. It's, yeah. it's hopeless. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so I point out in there, you know, uh, that there is hope. And I actually 
make the case, I think, that parents have way more power here than they realize. But the thing is, in order to um, you know, capitalize on that power, it's going to require some sacrifice on parents to do things that might not be uh, you know, popular or maybe financially difficult. Right. Um, yeah. You know, say like homeschooling, for instance. Uh, so uh, there's sacrifices that I think people might need to make. But as I put it, if you're not willing to sacrifice for your kids, what will you sacrifice for? Exactly. So, so I definitely try to give uh, a path forward of here's some very practical in your life things that can be done right now. That's awesome. That's okay. Good, yeah. And and we will leave links in the show notes for all of you guys. And if you want to connect with Joseph, you are on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, those are the two. Yeah. Okay. And we'll leave links to those two. Well, thank you, Joseph. Is anything else you want to say? Before we, uh, I have one more question. Oh, he has one more question because he's working. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. Because you're working on another book now. Tell us. Oh give yeah. Give us the quick, the quick blurb on the the next book because it sounds good. Yeah. The next one is called Pervert's Progress. <laughs> and, uh, I love yeah. it. I know the title's the best part. There's you so many headshots that. that I can envision for the cover of this. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what the cover is going to be yet. Uh, I got to come up with something good, but um, it's. Well, the subtitle will give you a little bit more here. It's going to be uh, Pervert's Progress, Queer Theory, Sex Ed, The World State, and The Answer to It All. So I'm mostly focusing Ooh, in... Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I need answers. I'm an answer kind of person. Give me the answers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm focusing in on... Um, uh, well, there will be like an allegorical story, too. That is the Pervert's Progress story. And I'm... Um, having this dream and it's all these different perverse waters and how they're uh, kind of mixing and creating this massive river in the end and where that river is headed, which is globally. Uh, so, so that's kind of the, the imagery of the, the story. And then I interpret the dream as the, the big bulk of the book. That's the more, you know, academic type stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to kind of trace out the origins of queer theory going back to, to Marx and then uh, Freud and then more modern stuff that is really important would be Herbert Marcuse and Michel Foucault and how these ideas coalesce into to queer theory. Uh, so that's kind of one aspect of it. Then the other aspect is the sex ed stuff, which I'll mostly start with at uh, Kinsey. Mm-hmm. And then coming from there, um, the Sikis being a big, a big player in that. Uh, and then how these two things merge, how the sex ed stuff and the queer theory, queer theory stuff merges. And then where that ultimately is headed globally, I bring in uh, SEL because mm-hmm. SEL is uh, very much tied in with this UN globalization stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll ultimately give the the answer to it uh, at the end. So that's kind of the the picture of what I'm tracing in the book. And it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. I think for, for me, I'm, I'm even getting into some of the uh, occult stuff that is very influential with SEL that people might not be aware of. Yeah. And, uh, going, at, going actually back to the abolition of man again, that book by Lewis, uh, where he actually, he called this stuff out all the way, you know, 80 years ago now. Uh, it's kind of amazing that it, when I, read that and I could see like, wow, he knew about this then. Uh, so just a little tidbit of the kind of stuff that'll be in there. Yeah. 
All the light and uh, light and fuzzy things, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we all sit here. <laughs> so fits right in with us. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah you guys, well, your, your guys' book, The Mind Polluters, I, I bring that up in it because, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are really went after the comprehensive sex ed in that and mm-hmm. SEL. And it really, uh, as I describe it in Purpose Progress, SEL, I just call it the delivery truck. Yeah. And it's dropping off all these packages and comprehensive sex ed is one of the biggest packages. Yeah. And uh, maybe one of the most uh, important in their, you know, in their truck because of its power. You know, the sexual impulses are obviously a huge, huge thing that can control men. So well, you, and, and you, I, you capitalize on those, you're getting, you can really mess people up. Well, and I know, and I know we said we were going to go, but maybe do, do you just have a, a, just a couple more minutes? <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I was just saying, I, yeah. how long you guys want? I mean, well, because I think people don't understand that this is not just an American issue. And it doesn't, ju- it, this is not just coming, you know, there were so many things that we put it, couldn't put into the mind polluters because it would take people back too far. And in, in the store, they would, they would get lost mm-hmm. in all this. And because these are really, it's a global, can you, can you speak to how, um, especially the comprehensive sex ed is part of yeah. the global, um, control mechanism, if you will. Yeah. So, um, the UN, they have these international guideline uh, standards for sex ed and, uh, I forget what exactly the letters are. It's like I G T S E or something like that. Yeah. But whatever the guidelines are on their, that web page, you can actually see it explicitly says that comprehensive sex ed is meant to help bring about the sustainable development goals. Yes. And uh, there's 17 of those. And obviously more than just sex ed or the sexual aspect is, you know, involved. But that is a key one. And so the the idea of the sustainable development goals is that everyone throughout the world, all nations need to be on board to bring about these and we're going to achieve this. This is where kind of the occult stuff comes in because the, the UN has explicitly been a part of that from its origins. Uh, and you can look at like the meditation room that they have and see that uh, the influence of Alice Bailey. Yes. You want to kind of read this really creepy stuff yourself um, and the Lucius trust. And it's all explicitly out there online too. Her book, education in the new age is a book I would recommend for anyone to read. If they want to understand you're, you're going to be blown away, but, um, that is exactly the kind of stuff that the UN is about in their new book, uh, on the new social contract. It's like education for a new social contract or something like that. And we're all global and, uh, citizens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And the idea is global citizens and actually to unite the people and planet as one, they say, mm-hmm. um, explicitly rejecting the stewardship model mm-hmm. of how we care for nature as like the Judeo Christian heritage would have it. Mm-hmm. You are to care for nature. It, it says that is wrong because it doesn't understand that we and nature are actually one. It's this pantheistic idea that there is no distinctions. Um, And then even, I mean, there's some really loony stuff in there. Uh, Theosophy is the technical uh, sect of the occult that this stuff comes from. And then it just gets the term new age today. That's the one that people are more familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Fetzer is the new age guru. He was the key figure for the SEL the castle mm-hmm. collaborative for academic social emotional learning that comes from the Fetzer foundation. 
and their conference in 1994. Uh, and, and it's still, it's not just Fetzer c- carries on. Uh, Daniel Goleman is one of the, the key figures, one of the founders of that. You could, you could, this is on Castle's page. You can see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can read some of his stuff. His, he has, I think, three books with the Dalai Lama. You can read some of those where uh, it's explicitly um, advocating for a Marxist ideology. I, I quote this stuff in my So this is the same kind of thing like we're talking about. <laughs> yep. People are like, no way. This isn't yep. I quote this stuff in the next book, uh, footnotes and everything. because, because In their own it. words. <laughs> yeah, here, here it is. Mm-hmm. Here's what they're saying. Um, and, and they mean it. So, so yeah, it's, it is uh, globalist in its intent and it's SEL would be kind of the, um, the societal pressure aspect of it. So there, this is a, n- another quote from, um, Klaus Schwab in his book, stakeholder capital or no, uh, his second book of the great reset, um, which was something like a great uh, narrative for a better future or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a second book in that his great reset series. And he says that SEL, or he doesn't use SEL, but he, he says that the youth, the generations of, I think, uh, Gen Z and millennials, because that's right, I'm a millennial, and then the next one under, that they will provide the societal pressure to get corporations to essentially get on board, and then governments to get on board with his stakeholder capitalism, which is this idea that guys like him are going to orchestrate everything. And the other aspect of it is the ESG, the environmental and social corporate governance. And that is the kind of the the strong arm coming in from the other side. So you have the societal pressure coming from this is from the SEL stuff, because you train the kids to have the proper social and emotional responses in order to carry out their agenda. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, that doesn't work. You now have the government arm coming in to, you know, whack people into place, you will comply. And so those two factors together, then will bring about the sustainable development goals. So, uh, you know, somehow that we're going to have this utopia on earth. It's, it's a very, uh, fanciful, uh, just, I mean, it's, it's all these, um, different Marxist adaptations have been based off this idea that man can be God Mm. and it's the same impulse. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's nonsensical from the start, but it sounds great if you actually, you know, if you thought like, oh, we could actually do it. But that's the problem. We can't actually do it. There is no there is no utopia because utopia. This is a, a cool tidbit. Utopia comes from Thomas More's 1516 satire titled Utopia. And he doesn't use it, meaning utopia as in good place. It's not EU as the prefix. It's OU, meaning no so no topos, no place is the Greek that Moore is, Thomas Moore is drawing from. And his point was this vision is no place. It is impossible. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And so the, the utopic vision now has just taken that idea. Mark Herbert Hughes explicitly says this in one of his things. He says, utopia is, isn't no place anymore. Now it's something that we know is actually there and we can get it to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's wrong from the start because it truly thinks that man has this omnipotence. Yeah. And it's it's interesting you talk about going back to um, Mary Bailey. Alice, uh, Alice, Alice Bailey. Yeah. Sorry. And because <clears throat> that was one of the storylines with um, the mind polluters that <laughs> yeah. I, I desperately wanted to develop. 
But yeah. in, in a film, you need time to develop things like that. You can't just drop in something, some character like that, uh, un, unless you're going to explain, you know, how it fits in with everything. And yeah. when we interviewed Alex Newman, he talked a lot about Alice Bailey. And, and that was yeah. another one of those where he, you know, the first we had heard of it was when we interviewed him. And then we came home and we went to the library and we got her book. <laughs> we researched everything. And I went, that was another one. I, as I was listening to his interview back and I went, no way. No yeah. way. And you mm-hmm. you go and get her book and you're reading it going, this woman was <laughs> psychopath uh, she, because she was, she was controlled by her two masters. Yeah. She was being, sure. she was being instructed by demons mm-hmm. and it's obvious when you, when you read it, that this is, mm-hmm. you know, that this yeah. is, this is uh, influenced demonically influenced. And there's so much of that. And what I, what I try to reinforce to people is, you know, because when they say, well, I don't understand all that. Well, <clears throat> you have to under the same way that as Christians, uh, if, if people want to understand Christianity, they have to understand who Christ is. They have to read the Bible because you have to understand this is the true history of the world and our origins. And, and that's why it's important. Well, if you need, if you want to understand what Satan's plans are, I mean, first you root yourself firmly in Scripture, but then read, read all these, you know, historical nut jobs that they're that are inspiring them. People like Alice Bailey, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, all of yeah. them, because they're when you, you you don't have to read very far, and you start seeing them quoting these people, and and there's another string to pull on. Well, who is this? And you go and read that. And it all makes sense in the yeah. end. And I mean, Alice Bailey says uh, that most of her books, I forget exactly how many books there are, but most of them, she makes the claim that they aren't written by her. Right. They're by Dijual Cool, Yes. Who is the ascended master of the spiritual hierarchy. Yes. And he is channeling through her. So it, it's not like I'm making it up. You know, that's, that is the claim made that you can easily find on her website, the Lucius trust. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there it is. And, and she then is that key figure for uh, John Fetzer, who becomes that key figure for SEL. Mm -hmm. And the way this is kind of useful, I think for people to remember it, I say that the two F's is what I call them in uh, the next book. These are the two major influences on S for SEL. And Fetzer is one F and that's the new age aspect that, and then the other one is Freire, Paulo Freire, and that's the critical Marxist aspect. So those are the two the two halves, and uh, <clears throat> it's very open when you actually go and look at uh, you know the the purposes of SEL. Uh, like Lena Darling Hammond explicitly says that um, when SEL is done properly, it achieves the Freirean transformation. So. Then, you know, like I explained in this, the book you guys already have, uh, The Critical State of Education, what Freerian transformation is. And it's not pretty, you know, but it, it's very, it's very open if you actually go and, and read the stuff yourself. Yeah. And as, as we're wrapping up here, but the, the, is it Jual Cool? Yeah. The, the, it's, it's, I'm getting into the weeds here with people, but <laughs> Alice Bailey. <laughs> This Jual Cool uh, figure that she called the Ascended Master. If you want to, if you want to, because you you, you reference Batman 
earlier, right? Yeah. So if you if you watch uh, the first, if you watch Batman Begins, right? Okay. And because when again going back to I blame all this on Alex, Alex Newman. <laughs> right. So he starts talking about this, and and while we were interviewing him, and he starts talking about Joel Cool, the Ascended Master, also known as the Tibetan. And I said, okay, stop. I said, did you see Batman Begins? And he kind of laughed. He goes, No, I don't watch movies. I said, okay, Batman Begins. The uh, Bruce Wayne goes up into the Himalayas yep. to get all of his ninja training, and the Ascended Master is this Tibetan master named Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and, the, and and it's interesting because if you just get on what Google, rhymes with <laughs> yeah, and I and I said I can I guarantee you this was inspired by you know Alice Bailey and her writings. Just Google the 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 Tibetan, mm-hmm. the Tibetan master, and you, there are pictures of supposedly what this guy looked like. Right? There's all it's just people's mm-hmm. imaginations because yeah. there's no pictures of the demon. But um, yeah, and he just looks like this wise old man <laughs> who <laughs> yeah. gave us all these writings so that we would know how to better order our world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And people, have, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not. It's not some, uh, you know, wild idea that the both the Nazis and the Soviets, they sent emissaries to Tibet to try and tap into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, like, this is something I, I make the, the point of in, in the next book where, where I'm drawing on Lewis and the abolition of man. The last section, he's making a point about magic and uh, science actually being twins that grew up together. Um, just after the the Renaissance, and he, he's explained that the idea was you wanted to to command nature rather than understand it, and it's a matter of technique. So whatever technique works is what we want to do. And he points out that you know magic at this point it was alchemy was the big thing. They're trying to transform um, you know base metals into gold, and he, he points out that that died out because it didn't actually work at its you know its intent. They couldn't make the gold nice. right, but. Uh, my point is that magic didn't completely die because the technique just switched. It switched to, okay, we can't actually make the gold, but we can transform the souls of humans in order to transform reality. Right. And so that's the Prairian transformation. So it switched techniques and the technique it switched to of transforming souls is way more powerful because it works because you can actually transform souls in order to do this evil. Right. So, and so well, we've discovered that we couldn't actually make gold out of lead, but if we can convince people that we've made gold out of lead, well, that's the same net effect, <laughs> which is what we've done with education. <laughs> we can create the, the gold is this globalized utopic society. And yeah. we can, we can make that about it. It's, it's not actually going to happen, but it is far more dangerous than the alchemist because the alchemist, he destroyed the, uh, the base metals with his chemical reaction and maybe he hurt himself. Uh, but you know, that, that's, that was the object to be tarnished. Whereas in this case, the thing to be tarnished is the human soul itself, hmm. something of far greater worth. Yep. Wow. And, and I, I'm just thinking of the spiritual battle that it spans back since the beginning, since since creation, you know, and mm-hmm. then in Satan coming in. But wow! Well, in, a, in 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 that analogy, it also speaks to why it's so 
why it has been so critical for them to if I if I can say seize control of science, right? They they shut down all dissent. All science has become, you know, the science is settled. Well, when did we have the discussion? No, the science is settled. Shut up, because the you know the true science discovers the truth, right? True science tells you you didn't change that rock into gold. <laughs> That's you didn't change that. All you did was change the appearance of it. Because science tells us that gold is actually a specific, you know, naturally occurring metal. You can't just change, you know, uh, uh, limestone. Metal. And, you, know, it, you just can't. You just can't make it into that. It doesn't become something else, right? Um, and that's why they have uh, going back to magic and science being being twins. Now what they've done is they've they've turned science into a magic that only they can do. Well, we're the only ones that can interpret this. You can't do this because we're the smart ones. We're the technocrats. Mm-hmm. We're in charge. Yeah, we're the experts. Yes. The, yeah, those who have the esoteric insight. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Fauci's statement of, um, you know, to criticize him is to criticize science because he represents the science. That's exactly right on, yeah. on their view because he has the esoteric insight. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is that is the case. I'm, I'm making in the next one of. Um, now in the name of science, you're, you're having this new uh, sorcery taking place because science is essentially now the God and it's going to be directed by those who know best yes. for our own good. They will do what's best. And th- we can be duped by that if we, if we don't you know, recognize the game that's being played behind the scenes there. Yep. The administrators will fix this for us. Well, Joseph, this has been an awesome conversation, and I am really looking forward to having you back uh, when you get your other book done. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you guys for listening through to the end. Be sure to check out Joseph at his website at josephweigel.com. He's also on Instagram and Twitter. That's all the time we have for today, friends. Have a wonderfully blessed week. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. I am dangerous.